listening to Cherokee Hills Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about CHBC or ways to get involved, visit chbcok.info. Let's read the word together. Acts chapter 14. Now I want to start in verse 27 this morning. Acts chapter 14, verse 27. We're going to finish up the chapter today. And you know what? Let's back up to verse 26. It says, From Italia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Now on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we come to you this morning completely submissive to your word. Lord, understanding that your word is the final authority, that God, you've given us this word as your voice into our hearts, into our minds, into our lives, Lord, and everything in that. And so God, today we know that your word has supernatural power. We know that it cuts to the heart, to the core of who we are. We know that it searches all things, Lord, it lays us bare before you. And Lord, we count on that today because today we don't need words from a man. We don't need words that are crafty. Lord, what we need is your word speaking truth into us. And Lord, I pray that that truth would set us free from whatever bounds us today. Lord, I love you. And I'm so thankful for your word. Lord, let it do its mighty work today. In Jesus' name, amen. Go back to verse 27. It says, On arriving there, talking about Antioch, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them. That's Paul and Barnabas. And how he had opened the door, how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And the Bible says that they stayed there a long time with the disciples. This is such a powerful moment in the history of the church. And it's a really intimate moment in the life of this particular church in Antioch. If you remember a couple of chapters ago, it was this church in Antioch that in the midst of a powerful, powerful prayer meeting, Remember this gathering of believers, these people who were committed to the Lord, living and walking intimately in the disciplines. Man, this church was on fire. And this church, in the middle of their prayer service, had this calling by the Holy Spirit of God to send out Paul and to send out Barnabas on this missionary journey. This is what would be called Paul's first missionary journey. And for the next 18 months to two years, these men would travel all over the countryside as men who had been transformed by God. And in the midst of that transformation, as they begin to grow in their faith and grow in their walk with God, God would then show them what their place is in the kingdom. And God gifted them with powerful gifts to go and preach and teach the gospel. And they took a gospel that had just been closed, but opened up. You're with me, say I am. 
It was a gospel that had seemed so narrow, but God had opened it up, not just for the Jews anymore, but also for the Gentile. Come on, if you're with me, say I am. Now that's good news. You know why? Because we're Gentiles, right? And so the gospel was opened up for everyone. What a powerful, powerful thing. In fact, when you look at the end of this journey, there were three powerful things that happened. One is that this gospel was open for everyone. Everyone now understood that all could be saved. I said all could be saved. You didn't have to come from a particular family. You didn't have to belong to a particular sect. You didn't have to be a particular color. You didn't have to have so much income. There was nothing now that divided God's people. It was one gospel, one salvation under Jesus. What a powerful, powerful, powerful truth that all could be saved. The second powerful impact of this journey was that now there was this clear and powerful understanding that salvation did not come from works. Salvation came by faith and faith alone. I said salvation came by faith and faith alone. That is a powerful truth. Why is that so powerful? Because it's this clear message. You've heard it over and over again that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again. That that belief, faith in that work of God through Jesus for the salvation of our sins, if we believe and we trust in that, not only would we be saved and have eternal life, but God would put his hand and his spirit in us. Come on, church. And then in putting his hand and his spirit in us, we could do and be what all he accomplished us to do and be for the sake of the kingdom and the advancement of the gospel. And the final powerful truth in it is that God did it alone. It was God's glory and for the glory of God that he did these things. But I want us to walk through these truths because they're powerful and they mean something to us. First, the gospel for everyone. Now, I want you to look at me when I tell you this. I want you to put on pause, whatever it is that may have your attention. I want you to look at me when I tell you this, because this is powerful truth. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Now, understand this. When I, when I say Jesus loves you, it's not just this canned statement coming from a preacher to help make you feel better about your day or feel better about your worship service this morning. This is a powerful, eternal truth that Jesus loves you. And here's what's amazing about that. He loves you, warts and all. I hate warts. Remember I told you about those disgusting little pumpkins that we had that had those warts all over them? They just bother me. It's just an ugly part. It's an ugly thing. And to know that my God, sees every ugly thing in my life. Come on, church. I said he sees every ugly thing in my life. He knows what I think. He knows how I feel. He knows what's going on inside of me, how I see other people all the time. Man, I would love to tell you that I see the best in people all the time. I'd love to tell you that I'm always thinking the right way, that I always have these great, kind, loving thoughts racing through my mind. I'd love to tell you that it's always Christmas in my heart. But the truth is, is I'm flawed. I'm flawed. And so sometimes I think things that I shouldn't think. Sometimes I do things that I shouldn't do. 
And the fact that Jesus still loves me anyway is a beautiful and profound truth. He loves me warts and all. I see that kind of love demonstrated in marriages that have lasted through lots of years. We are blessed as a church to be able to have with us many, many couples who have been married for over 50 years. 40 and 50 year marriages are such a rarity these days, but our church is blessed to have many. And I would guess, and you guys that have been married for over 50 years, you might want to hold your tongue, but just answer quietly inside when I say this. But I'll bet in 50 years of seeing somebody's life intimately, living with them every single day for 50 years, it probably hasn't been all pretty what you've seen. There are probably some warts, literally and figuratively, that you have been exposed to. There have probably been some hard times that were so ugly and not so nice. But yet there was a driving devotion because the, the best concept in those 50 years that we can understand what we could call is just love and faithfulness. And you see that model in those kind of marriages, but then you see what God has done in the way that he loves us. Because in those 50 years of even seeing those intimate moments that weren't so good, there's probably stuff you didn't see that may have even been worse. Now, I ain't trying to start drama. I'm just trying to prove a point. That God sees all. And this gospel that's for everyone is a gospel of the God of this universe that says, I love you. Man, Jesus, when I say Jesus loves you, it goes deep. It ought to cut to the core of who we are and help us to understand how valuable this gospel is. And the beauty of it is that it's not just for you. It's for everyone. This gospel doesn't just give us forgiveness of sins. It doesn't just reconcile the debt between us and God. This forgiveness even brings unity amongst the body. I'm going to tell you something. When you look at these churches that we've seen in Acts, we've seen people who were so moved and so compelled by the gospel, and they were so busy doing what God has called them to do. In the book of Acts, you don't see much fighting at all amongst people within the church. Because here's what the enemy knows. His, his one consistent plan against the gospel that I see working over and over again is to try, try to destroy the unity within the body of the church. To make brothers and sisters... Brothers and sisters go against each other in such a way that it causes the movement in the kingdom to be put on pause until there's resolution. Think about that for a second. How many of you, and I don't want you to answer out loud, but how many of you feel like your calendar is pretty full, pretty busy? Deacon, I don't know what kind of calendar you got, son. But it's a busy one, isn't it? There's a lot of busyness on it. Now think about God's schedule for a second. I wish I could look on his iPhone calendar <laughs> and just see what it looks like, what his task list looks like for a day. I'll bet it's pretty overwhelming, right? And here's what, if, if, I, was, if I was the Lord and I had my task planned out daily, 
The thing that I would love on my task board, the thing that I would love on my schedule is that this gospel that I have created, that I have made, that I have invested in, that I have power of, this gospel would be advanced. The first part of my schedule would be advancing the kingdom all over the place, letting this gospel go to save all the lost. Come on, church, you're with me. Say, I am. That's a good calendar. That's a good start to my day. But golly, I look into the task that's on my calendar and I see the advancement of the kingdom being halted because a brother and a sister in Christ in a church can't get along. I have to put on pause what I'm trying to do and accomplish because two people who've been saved by grace, forgiven of all their sins, can't forgive one another. Come on, church. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't preach topically. I don't go out and hear stuff and then say, okay, I'm going to preach about that. I'm going to step on somebody's toes. One, I can't bank that you'll be here for it. And I don't want to punish everybody else because you messed up. That's the worst. But within the body of Christ, I just see it so much. Within the body of Christ, the kingdom is halted because believers are doing this. And the enemy loves that because he can't stop God. He can't stop the gospel, but he can be a speed bump. He can, be a, he can create a hindrance. He can waste our time. But it's through this powerful gospel, listen to this, it's through this powerful gospel that he brings unity in spirit that can bring two believers who are at odds and bring reconciliation and forgiveness by his model that he forgave unconditionally. There was a brother that did me wrong in ministry many years ago. Broke my heart. I mean, bro, and I was so mad and I was so angry at this brother. I didn't want anything to do with him. If you'd asked me if I hate him, I said, yes, I hate him. That's how bad it was. He, he, he betrayed my trust in a, in, a, in a hard and difficult way. And I remember going to my pastor. And I said, Here, here's what's going on. How do, I, how do I deal with this? And he had listened to my sob story and he simply said, well, you need to forgive him. I said, it's not my responsibility to forgive him. He said, you know what? You're right. And it's not his responsibility either. I said, what? Why are you speaking to me like you're Yoda right now? And this is what he said. He said, let me tell you whose responsibility it is to make this right. He said, whoever wants to be right with God. Ouch. Whoever wants to be right with God will be the one that takes the initiative to see that forgiveness is found on both sides. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit crushed my soul in just the hearing of those words. And I'll tell you what, it, it's a humbling thing when you feel like you've been the one that's been betrayed and you've got to walk with somebody and ask for their forgiveness because of the way that you felt about them in this hurt. When you feel like you didn't do anything wrong, but still want to be right with God. If you're with me, say I am. That gospel that's for everyone 
brings unity. And it brings protection. This gospel that Jesus lived, that he died, he rose again. We believe, we trust in that. We give our hearts and lives to that powerful promise. And guess what? He protects us from a life otherwise ravaged by sin. I have this good friend of mine named Aaron Mraz. And I'll never forget, he stood up at this church. We had been doing some drama, some skits and things like that at this church on a Sunday morning. And he, he was going to be the preacher that morning. And he walked up. He got on the stage and he said, my name's Aaron Mraz. And I just want to share with you this morning how God delivered me from a life of alcohol and drug addiction. How God delivered me from a life of parents being involved in gangs. And he went through this whole list of things. I was like, bro, I thought I knew you. And he finished it off by saying this. God delivered me because I never went there. God delivered me because when I was a child, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And this gospel that I grew up in protected me from going all those different directions, protected my parents from going those different directions. He says, I have godly parents that raised me in a godly home, that shared the gospel with me. He says, the gospel protected my life. This gospel that's for everyone is a gospel that protects. And this gospel is by faith alone. It's by faith alone. Let that sink in for a second. Because there's a lot of people that are trying to work their way to God. They're trying to serve him more. They're trying to do more to try to make God happy. Are you with me right now, church? To sort of work their way out, sort of some penance. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is by faith alone. My Bible says that when I believe that Jesus lived, that he died, that he rose again, and I commit my heart to that, my salvation is complete. My salvation is complete. In fact, when you look at this scripture, when you get to the end of chapter 14, this is the end of that first missionary journey. This is the point where Paul sits down and writes Galatians. Now, that's significant, and I'd encourage you, if you don't know, have a place that you're already reading right now, I'd encourage you this week to start reading in Galatians to give you some context about where we're at. He begins to write in Galatians, and he begins to talk about how this gospel, this gospel, already amongst the people that he's visited, all amongst the churches that he's already been investing in, these people are starting to revert back to Judaism. They're beginning to revert back. And the reason is because they're having a hard time realizing that salvation is not by their works. It's by what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so they're going back to their old ways of worship, their old ways of handling life, trying to create these ceremonial moments. These ceremonial moments that will make them feel better about where they stand with God. And I'm going to tell you something. I want you to look at me when I tell you this, church. It's a lie from the pits of hell. Salvation comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ. It's not the works we do. It's not how many classes we teach. It's not how much we give. It's our belief that Jesus lived and died 
and rose again. And it's for his glory. You say, well, what's the significance of all this? The significance is that it controls everything about who we are as a church. And I think it's beautiful. Because our church, I think I've been looking and thinking about this over the last several weeks. Because my heart and my desire as a pastor, especially here at Cherokee Hills, is I want so much for our church to look like the church in Acts. I want it to look just like it. I want this church to be full of people of God who understand the gospel and the depths of what it means in our hearts and our souls that moves us into an intimacy with him, a relationship with God, where that we have no doubt he is real, We have no doubt that what he's doing is real. We have no doubt in his purpose and his plan that even in the darkest moments of our lives, we still trust him because we know he loves us. And we follow him so intimately that we do what we're made to do. We become who we're supposed to be. And he uses us in powerful ways to advance the kingdom by this gospel. I love it that God has given us leaders and servants. That God has begun to shape our church like this. For 50 years, he's been shaping it. And I can't wait for what's ahead of us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would tell you, the best moment of my life was when I asked Jesus to save my soul. And it's been an awesome opportunity and glory to serve him. I've been in ministry now for over 25 years. Youth ministry, evangelism, pastoring. And it just fires me up every day. I I just want the power of Jesus all over me. And I want the power of Jesus all over you. I want us to be so full of Jesus as a church that if a mosquito bites us, it goes off singing there's power in the blood. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I want that for us. And today, if you don't know him, it starts there. Just know him. Give your heart and life to him. For more information about Cherokee Hills Baptist Church, visit us online at chbcok.com.